Live. Dan Schinder here with Steven Schinder on Yes Shift. Where uh, we? Pot- yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't know where you were going with that, but um, <laughs> uh, we talk about a uh, Yes, its members, people who've worked with Yes, sometimes just Prague in general. And today we're celebrating the birthday of the late Keith Emerson by talking about the new Keith Emerson variations box set. Uh, the download was sent to us for us to review. And yeah, we're going to talk the about download. This. So, yeah. folks, this is an incredible body of music. And I'm not even speaking musically. I'm speaking the palettes of crates that were brought in by forklift for this download. It's 20 CDs. It's amazing. You can read the details in the post, but we're going to kind of skim the stone yeah. across this incredible work. I okay, mean, it's just amazing. Um, yeah, I see we're live on Drum Talk TV. I don't see us on Yes Shift at the moment, though. Oops. Uh, can you share it to Yes Shift? I might have goofed there. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> we usually simulcast this. I think I, I was rushing, and uh, now I'm noticing that as well. Sorry about that. But, yeah, this is an amazing work that was put together by, we want to thank uh, Burning Shed, Cherry Red Records, and the Publicity Connection, specifically yeah. Sharon. And, and uh, yeah, and the Emerson family, of course. For who, sure. Yeah. We have, we have Aaron Emerson joining us soon to talk about this as well. But today we're going to give you our review. And for you drummers out there, you fellow musicians, people that follow Drum Talk TV, you may or may not know that Keith Emerson was one of my biggest influences as a musician, even though I'm primarily a drummer. Uh, Carl Palmer, of course, who I've interviewed a couple times or so on Drum Talk TV. So I'm really excited about this box set. And um, Steve, I'll let you kick it off. There's so much in this. We could do four episodes about this. Yeah. And like we mentioned, we're having Aaron on December 2nd at noon Pacific. But yeah, for now, talk about the set. I'll just, we're not going to read every single track on this, but (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll go down the thing real quick and say what album and whatnot is like each disc is so yeah, each co- era that's covered category. yeah so disc one part one the early years of bands um then disc two is where part two the soul albums begins so you got honky uh then disc three changing states four emerson plays emerson five keith emerson band and then disc six is where part three the soundtracks begins with inferno uh, disc seven, Nighthawks. Eight, Murder Rock. Nine, um, I think that's Best Revenge. Uh, ten, Iron Man, the nineteen ninety four animated series that is. Yeah. Eleven, Armageddon slash Godzilla. And then disc twelve is where part four collaborations begins with Three Fates project. And then thirteen is Beyond the Stars. And then fourteen is part five live collaborations starting with Boys Club, Life from California. And then 15 and 16 are Moscow, you know, the Keith Emerson Band's Moscow concert. Uh, 17 is Live from Manticore Hall. That's with Emerson and Lake. 18 is Off the Shelf. And then 19 and 20 have the 2004 BB King's concert, as well as some Keith Emerson trio 
recordings on I would say the second half of that final disc. So quite Lots a lot to take there. in here. Yeah. Yeah. And um we main you and I I think mainly became Keith Emerson fans through the music of Emerson, Lake and Palmer. So when this was initially announced, um like before even looking at the track list at that time, how much ELP were you expecting, if at all? Because we do get ELP songs, but by a different, you know, not from the actual ELP recordings, you right. know. Different so. iterations, yeah, that yeah. He, he recreated and stuff. Um, well, being that it's 20 discs, that really piqued my curiosity. I knew there'd be some ELP, but one of the biggest things I've learned from this collection is how much music of his I was not aware of. There's even some EOP stuff I either didn't remember because it wasn't stuff I listened to as frequently for so many years, or it was stuff that I had never heard before um, or forgot and don't know that I forgot. <laughs> but right. one of the biggest surprises for me was how much I knew he had done motion picture soundtrack work, but I never realized how much there's some really neat stuff there. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So I, I was kind of surprised when, you know, getting to the track list and seeing that on disc one, you basically have a, a bit of early Keith and then one track from the nice and then a few, uh, ELP tracks, but they're Keith-centered ELP tracks. So it's an interesting decision to confine those to just the first disc, although we do get very early Keith-era stuff again at the end of the set. So, yeah. um, and I think the fact that this is supposed to be Keith-centered may justify the exclusion of the actual ELP songs where it's the full, like, original trio right. and we we know those tracks so well anyway um and does it also feel justified given that in this set we get covers and its reinterpretations of the elp material yeah anyway yeah yeah absolutely do you feel that way i certainly do yeah i do as well you know keith emerson band and his collaboration with glenn hughes and mike bonilla um and I was thinking about some of the other things we've been talking about on the podcast recently where, you know, we did that John Anderson dream birthday set list. And we were like, well, he normally plays yes, but you could make a whole thing of like just his solo stuff. And Absolutely. I think on a different episode, I was talking about how on compilations, like from certain bands, it kind of feels odd whenever the compilations showcasing the band's history uh, includes some solo stuff, but this is the opposite of that. Exactly. Yeah. It very much is like his solo stuff and his collaborations and projects. And the and, band stuff that is featured is his own works of that. Yeah. Which is cool. I don't know if I've seen that before, actually. Right. Yeah. That format. Yeah. It's uh, so I think it's, it's done very well here. Um, and we do get Greg Lake on the live from Manticore Hall discs. So we do get a bit of that, you know, 
partnership musicianship and it's really cool to hear yeah um i think for me lucky man is an elp song that really has like in the solo from keith it really has his stamp on it so before going through the track list i was imagining that that song from that first album would be on this and we do get a few different versions just not from this album but despite the original version being absent there's an exquisite extended keith solo on the live in moscow version and that really adds something yeah and um you know the song the barbarian was my intro to keith's musicianship so the extended version on that concert is another great treat and you even hear someone shout yeah baby so you get <laughs> yeah, the I atmosphere of that too yeah yeah that album trilogy is awesome we got we get fugue on this in the early years which is great there's some really really not only neat pieces but the the way they were recreated by keith the ones that we're more familiar with and then there's just so much more like a whole pretty much disc of the honky tonk playing which no one i can think of in rock has done that with the exception of a little little taste of it with rick wakeman's i think in merlin that little jam but that's you know he the the ragtime and honky-tonk stuff that keith did was just amazing and it's so cool to have those influences in that genre um, interlaced into the rock stuff that he did alone and with ELP. Yeah, with Keith, you get the sense of, you know, the rocky side and also the classical sounding mm-hmm. side. Like this box set does such a great job of that. Um, and it's also nice that we get some Emerson, Lake and Powell representation through the inclusion of touch and go in the set list of keith emerson bands in moscow as well as the bb king show Uh, that's probably the most iconic song from el powell right yeah and i saw that show at what used to be called irvine meadows near where you went to university and oh i think that might be where i saw yes in 2019 oh okay so it would have been let me just do the math real quick samantha is 35 so it would have been halloween just a couple days ago 36 years ago because her mom was pregnant with her and we were on our way to drop victoria your other sister off at grandma and grandpa's and we got t-boned in the truck oh wow We, we got in an accident but uh grandpa let me borrow his car and we made it to the concert which Folks, that was probably an hour away or something like that, maybe an hour and a half, actually, from where we were living in the San Fernando Valley. And on being on Halloween, what song was it where Greg put, I mean, Keith put on a mask? Um, mm. I can't remember. I can't remember. He put on a Halloween mask of some sort for one song. But uh, it was a great show. They were really, really good. I don't know how Cozy Powell played such great double bass in these big cowboy boots. It was just yeah. craziness. Like, how does that not hurt your feet, Cozy? But it was a great show. I really liked that album, too. Yeah, and I should also mention that this box set, like the physical box set, 
yeah. includes a 48 page i think it's 48 pages like a 48 page uh book that has some never before seen photos directly from the emerson family's archives mm-hmm. so I'm a i think disappointed that's... though um if i could say i'm a little disappointed that it's only 48 pages and we only get 20 discs <laughs> Yeah, I was like, where is he going with this? <laughs> um, also, apparently, the that 2004 B.B. King uh, New York concert, um, according to the description anyway, had apparently never been released prior to this set. Really? Wow. Yeah, so that's I guess that's a rarity in this. And you get to hear someone in the crowd um, shout funny things like, Davey Olis, Davey Olis Jr., as well as like, EWP when John Wetton is mentioned in the funny story from Keith talking about when he saw Quango perform live and he's How su- funny. Yeah, and it's a funny story, folks. Like Keith was surprised by the inclusion of ELP stuff in Quango's set, and then he decided to play a joke on Carl Palmer on stage. And this is pretty much how Keith met uh guitarist Dave Kilminster. So it's it's a really cool concert to listen to, especially because you get that atmosphere of what it's like with the crowd and whatnot. So was it was it officially recorded, or is this made from a really great bootleg? So that's a good question because it sounds like it doesn't sound as pristine as some official releases, but it sounds better than like some of the bootleg quality stuff that you'll hear here and there but um but yeah and i think it might have been moog fest if i'm not mistaken like a huge event around that time so what year was that i forgot 2004 okay yeah and uh like i said that concert is on these last two discs and the set list uh actually ends with a 30 minute version of tarkus and then the last nine tracks on that final disc are actually very early recordings by the Keith Emerson trio. I believe these are from the 60s and you can hear the crackling noises kind of like really gives you a clue of the era and it's quite fascinating. Like I kind of didn't look into the track list too much before uh, giving the whole set to go because I I was sort of looking at it as I went and was kind of being surprised by like, whoa, so this is that and this is from then. So I was kind of taken off guard when like we got to the Keith Emerson trio, like really, really early stuff. And it's like, uh, so the concert's over? Like, what's the rest of this? Oh, okay. And it's (laughs) really cool how it comes full circle, like starting with early Keith and ending with early Keith. Yeah, which is cool. I like how they bookended it like that. Yeah. And what's great is that... um, even when certain songs pop up again in different studio or concert recordings, they each have their own feel. Like each recording is a different variation, one could say. Mm-hmm. So very fitting title there. Um, and I also had a couple notes about like so the early stuff. I, I wrote that. The medley at the beginning uh, yeah. with Keith Emerson, age 14, has like a home video feel. Like I know it's audio, but it kind of reminded me of that feeling of like watching a home video and you get that sort of nostalgic feel, you know? 
Absolutely. Um, That's cool to have too. Yeah. And um, Rocky Candy has like, it, it gets a bit more rocking. And so it's like very fitting title and lament for Tony Stratton. It sounds very pensive, but then becomes fanfare-ish like midway through surprisingly. So again, you see like how Keith is able to shift between different styles. Um, Speaking of pensive, um, uh, I have a couple notes over here on my other computer. Kazanian yeah. Tarantella, that is pensive and tense. Did you hear that? It's yeah. on, I think, disc five, I think. Oh, my, or maybe four. My God, it's so pensive. And like, I, I'm wondering if it's a reflection of something he was going through at the time or if it was just something that spilled out that way. It's really intense. Yeah, it's very beautiful. And and that I had never heard that before. That's one of the like gems that I discovered. Like, wow, I never heard any version of this. Yeah, like some of this was new to me as well. Whether it be like new versions of certain things or just new um instrumentals and whatnot in general. Mm-hmm. And we also get a lot of Mark Bonilla uh, on a bunch of a material here, and he sounds a lot like Greg on the material that greg originally sung and for me it kind of gets me curious like wanting to hear more of how mark sounds when he's outside of this sort of material you know doing some other stuff um and on top of of that one of the things i'm sorry that you could check out is our friend troy lucetta had a band with mark bonilla called seville row and you could find him on that and check that out and it totally makes sense that mark took over vocals in asia yeah like they announced that a while back but the plans for touring have been in flux for a little while now so hopefully they're able to work something out in the near future yeah um and discs that, that by the way folks would be carl palmer mark bonilla billy sherwood and bumblefoot uh no bumblefoot is out mark replaced him oh yeah what am i saying <laughs> and jeff downs <laughs> yes <laughs> that jeff guy <laughs> yeah (laughs) they still Um, have keyboards in asia (laughs) yeah (laughs) and uh disc 13 uh beyond the stars is a surprising inclusion isn't it like the context of it is that it's a project released a couple years after keith's passing dedicated to him and including compositions of his that were old and new at the time and performed by the academy of saint martin and his grandson Ethan even plays piano on the Dreamer yeah. on that, so it's a nice like dedication there. Yeah. Um, and also like the video that they put out to celebrate the release of this it includes Aaron Emerson, Jeff Downs, and a few other uh, artists performing "Lucky Man." So it's a really cool video that people should check out. It's on YouTube. And I, um, I'd like to note that folks. If you don't know this, I think this is a really neat fun fact. When you hear these other versions of Lucky Man, or any version, the original version, but when you hear these versions, remember that Greg Lake wrote that song when he was, I think, 10 years old or something, right? Wasn't he like 10 or 12? That sounds kind of familiar. I'm going to look that up real quick because it's pretty astounding. And it ended up not only being on their first album, but being like their first single, I believe. Uh, yeah yeah it's it's a classic that one yeah 
Um, and something I found kind of interesting as well is that he was 12. Okay, cool. So you were right in that ballpark. Yeah, that's really Uh, neat. Yeah. Something that I noticed in the set was that off the shelf is listed as part of the live collaborations portion, uh, even though it's a collection of mostly studio recordings from the sound how it sounded for various projects Mm -hmm. from Keith's archives. Um, And I'm a bit curious how that might have happened, but its inclusion is in the set is welcome regardless. And I suppose one could debate whether the radio recording of the nice plain lumpy gravy counts as live, you know? Right. Well, a lot of those uh, like BBC broadcasts, especially in the older days, (laughs) in the older days, in the, in the, (laughs) In the 70s, 80s, even maybe since then, a lot of the BBC stuff that was done, remember the British audiences were so quiet during performances that mm. sometimes the broadcasts sound like they were done in a studio. And some of them were. Yeah. Some of them were live performed in a studio. Some of them were live performed in front of an audience like King Biscuit Flower Hour. But the audiences in England were so well behaved at the time. <laughs> They've shaped up since from what I understand. You were there. You were <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess I'm just so used to, you know, the audience sounding, you know, making at least a little bit of noise, especially here in Los Angeles. Like, oh, my gosh, the, yeah. the Los Angeles crowds are something else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and the section of this box set that's titled solo albums makes for a nice gateway for anyone not familiar with that area of Keith's career. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and after all, these are full albums. Uh, I think on Changing States, you really see the shifts in his music styles, how even on just that one album appropriately titled Changing States, you yeah. get him like transitioning from a rockier song to something more soft and beautifully melodic, like ballad, for example. That's one of my favorites there. Yeah. And then his, back to something rocky. Yeah, his range was so expansive. There were like, no pun intended because there's 20 discs, but seriously, like 20 musicians within that one man with what he was able to compose or do with someone else's work. Just amazing. It wasn't just a great organ player, a great synth player, and a great honky-tonk piano ragtime player it was all that and everything outside of that and in between yeah and and on that note this is an amazing deal it's 150 dollars us right uh pounds english pounds okay so, so 120 pounds it's no 150 pounds oh, 150 pounds if you spent 20 pounds on a disc that's 400 pounds for 20 discs this is an amazing deal no matter how you convert the money, no matter, you know, what it is, pounds, lira, francs, dollars, whatever. Yeah, it's like you get a lot for the price that it is. Yeah. Um, A notable absence from this solo album section is the Christmas album. Do you think this might be because it's an album that they'd want to release on its own around the holidays at some point yeah that's the only thing i thought of because i noticed that too and that's the first thing that came to mind but we're getting kind of close to the holidays we haven't heard of that yet so 
I don't yeah. know if it'll be this year. It'd be great. Yeah, maybe like, and again, I don't know if it's been reissued in the last several years, but maybe they'd want to like space it out and maybe release it uh, next year, for example. So, yeah. Oh, by the yeah. way, folks, at the end of this, we have some ELP news that came in literally while we were getting set up for the show. So hang yeah, out. Some interesting that. items. Yeah. yeah. Really neat items for you. Serious collectors. Really cool stuff. Right. And there are also, uh, like we mentioned, a few soundtracks included in this box set. Um, and have, so I'll list them again. Inferno, Nighthawks, Murder Rock, um, Murder Rock was kind of surprising because, like, the title, you expect one thing, but then the first track is a bit poppier than yeah. expected. And it's like, oh, okay. But <laughs> then it gradually, like, that uh, soundtrack gradually ends up sounding how one might expect from the title. Yeah. And then Best Revenge, the Iron Man animated series, and then Harmageddon slash Godzilla. Um, was... had, you, had you watched any of these before? Some of the Iron Man some of armageddon if i remember right and i was surprised that unless i'm confused not a stretch i i'm surprised that excalibur wasn't on there i thought he wrote oh that that's not keith that's trevor jones there's another movie maybe it was called the lady of the lake there's a movie Um... about that era that or maybe he turned down Excalibur. I think that's it. I think he was oh. slated to do it and turned it down. Oh, actually, yeah, that does sound familiar. Maybe that was in the uh, the biography that yeah, we read. That him. we read a year ago, October, actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's where I'm thinking of that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, when he said that, yeah, it kind of jogged something. So maybe that was the case. But yeah. Funny enough, I remember um, back in the day, like late 2000s, someone on YouTube edited clips from that movie Excalibur uh, set to some songs from Rick Wakeman's King Arthur. So, Oh, really? Was, yeah, kind of interesting. Oh, funny. So how familiar are um, you with some of that soundtrack stuff? Um, yeah, sorry, I was doing Control-F on the biography, oh, having a hard cool. time finding excalibur at all but so i don't know but that's okay um in terms of these soundtracks like the only thing that i watched was the iron man animated series um and i did not watch it when it aired because i was like too young this was like mid 90s but i'm sure uh, my brother alex probably watched some around then but i ended up watching it uh when it was on netflix like in the early 2010s and i didn't realize at that time that keith had done the music for that first season of the show and it's kind of wild just like redis like discovering that it was him who did that music yeah. and again it sounds different from some of the other stuff like it really fits that iron man series it sounds kind of industrial in places and um like it's and on a couple of these soundtracks you you can hear like a couple like maybe a couple tracks where it kind of sounds like hip-hop dj territory because it i guess fitting the context of 
whatever is happening in the movie or show and yeah. it's really cool that these soundtracks really give a taste of like the again the different areas that uh keith would delve into like inferno has like listen to that at night it's got like this haunting like dark moody vibe and it's just so good and there's a lot of extras that come with that as well uh like what do you mean with inferno or do i have the wrong track let me see uh give me a second all right just looking at my notes again yeah isn't that the one that had a lot of yeah it was on disc six the inferno extras part one one through five Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure if those were extras or if it was like the, th uh, okay, yeah, I'll have to revisit that. Maybe I'll but, take um, a chance and play one in the background. Right, but. Um, <laughs> it won't get muted, but um, it'll just be in the background. Let's let's just see real quick. I'll turn it up a little. There we go. Yeah, some of this is extra stuff for sure. Some really okay. great music here. And like Steven says, it's very haunting. I don't know if you folks can hear that or not, but. Yeah, there were also a couple tracks that felt like they had like an influence, uh, like similar to some of the stuff we heard on Story of I, like. Um, oh, yeah, that's interesting. Like By the Patrick song. Moraz, for those not familiar with it. Yeah, like the track Green Ice on. Oh, Honky. I love that. That's my yeah, favorite it, one on that disc. Yeah, it feels like a blend of styles and like the vocalizing and the background is kind of similar. And um, on one of the later discs, the song Rio also had a similar feel. Mm -hmm. So again, like different influences and styles that Keith was able to convey here. Yeah. Um, so did you have like any other comments on this box set before we talk about like those elp related items you mentioned just i want to reiterate how it's almost overwhelming how yeah. much material this is this is like literally 20 hours of music almost and yeah. maybe a little more maybe more some because yeah. some of these went up to like 75 minutes interesting yeah well that makes sense yeah because they're on disc but um and it it's a lot to swim through but if you're an elp fan or a keith emerson fan no matter how deep you've dove into his catalog before there are things here you haven't heard uh really neat stuff here just love it they did such a great job on this i wonder how long it was in the works i'd love to know that yeah and we'll talk to um, aaron about that when we have him on yeah for sure and i agree like this is you know for someone like me who for whatever reason, um, like was so unfamiliar with Keith's solo stuff and the soundtracks, like this was a great gateway into those and some of the collaborations I hadn't listened to Even before. been familiar with. Right. right. Like there were a couple things I'd heard about, but hadn't checked out. So having all these together in one place, it's really nice so, so it's definitely worth checking out did did you know about the stuff he had done with mark bonilla and glenn hughes i i knew about glenn hughes i probably read up on mark bonilla around the time there was that announcement that he might be touring with asia 
Right. Um, and actually, yeah, he got mentioned throughout the biography we read last year. Yeah. Right. That was fun. Yeah. Um, it's a for, good read. Yeah. You, we should post that again on his birthday. Um, the fun sort of story there, folks, is that Steve and I were in San Francisco to film the Roger Dean documentary, and we were sent the biography, and we both, like, in one night just plowed through the whole thing over... Yeah, that wasn't hours. in... Uh, we, we didn't read it in San Francisco, oh, though. Oh, it's while Yeah, it was while yeah, we were moving. Oh, okay, because it was a couple weeks later, so yeah. I couldn't yeah. remember. But, uh, wow, that was a year ago just the other day, then. Well, today... Like Today. Keith's birthday, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, that's right. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, we just sat next to each other in a hotel for like a few hours, hardly saying anything to each other, just reading through this thing. It was funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, again, like, I'm really glad that they're able to, you, you know, Keith Emerson, like, such a legend, very missed, but they're still, like, putting out all these memories uh, like his career and all the people that he knew yeah. and uh yeah i i'm just glad that they're doing that with these musicians who have passed um yeah there's also a greg lake one called magical uh coming out on his birthday november 10th it's uh yeah and it has like his solo albums um and that one has a book as well. So stuff from the Lake family archives. So you get like some rare tracks and live recordings um, as well. And that's also on Cherry Red, um, according to what I'm looking at. So cool. So I'll read this uh, press release that we got while we were setting up earlier. This is from Burning Shed. Um, Emerson, Lake and Palmer Platinum Record Awards, original Durant's press cutting books. Courtesy of an EG Records director, we have two ultra-rare Platinum Record Awards presented to EG for two million sales of the Cotillion Records editions of Tarkus and pictures of an exhibition by Emerson, Lincoln Palmer. We also have a unique set of three scrapbooks containing ELP press cuttings, pre-internet, record labels employed Durant's to collect any mention of their bands of their bands in the media. The press cuttings were pasted into scrapbooks, provided a valuable means of tracking band, band's careers. We have three original Durant's books compiled for EG management containing approximately 500 ELP cuttings from May 1970 to November 1971. 500 cuttings just in that period of, ta of time. And these things look amazing, actually. Um, and they're 600 pounds for each of the two platinum records. And the scrapbooks were, if I remember right, I don't have it up right now, 300 pounds, I believe. Uh, yeah, like I'm looking at the Burning Shed uh, link. And if you click on the image, it'll take you to the... Yeah. Oh, wow. Like these things are already out of stock. <laughs> Someone... Oh, really? Yeah, pictures on exhibition and the Tarkus um, platinum things were each 600 and they're already out of stock now. Well, and Steve, um, while I mentioned this, can you do the pounds to US dollar conversion? You know, if you consider those gems and consider this 20 piece CD set for only 150 pounds 
over 20 hours of music and some really rare gems and some unreleased stuff. What would that be in US dollars? I'm going to guess $142. Wait, so am I doing... Okay, so I'm doing the 151. Okay, I got confused because I thought you were talking about the 600 thing. Oh, sorry. No, the 150 but, pounds to US dollars. Yeah, I know that from for US dollars, it would be a higher number. Um, oh, yeah. 183 US dollars. So it's under, that's less than 10 bucks a disc. Um, I can't math right now. I'm not even going to try. That would be $200, um, so... Right. That was kind of an easy one, but that's okay. <laughs> I know you're working. Yeah. Sorry, oh, I'm just distracted because, like, I'm also looking at that um, EG thing we're talking about and, like, the symphonic music of Yes Billboard. Oh, yeah, that's there. on there, too. And, yeah, and it's funny because, like, I talked about that album recently for its 30th, and when I met Roger, I even told him, like, oh, that artwork uh, of yours, like, that album turned 30 the other day. So yeah. there you go. And this is a great gift for under $200. This is an amazing musical collection. This is like a whole library of an artist's discography away from the band he's primarily known from, but yet including his own iterations of a lot of that popular music, which is really great. Yeah, I think there's something like... Wait, is this a good time to tell you what I want for Hanukkah? um i I was gonna say there's like five different versions of tarkus and i think three versions of lucky man but like i said they each have their own feel so it's not like even if you listen to all these like back to back in a row without any sleep for whatever crazy reason (laughs) he'll still feel different like listening to these different versions of the tracks like these different performances yeah cool well folks there you go stay tapped into yes shift and drum talk tv um steven doesn't know this yet but he'll know now um steve maybe today you could put up one of my previous tributes to keith emerson on drum talk tv i've done many over the years that would be good pick uh one that didn't get flagged for me accidentally using an official version of something if you can figure that out if not don't worry about it. just put one up i think that'd be fun only because folks okay. i don't have time to do it today i got some other stuff already um scheduled but it's always a great time to celebrate the music of keith as well as emerson lake and palmer and um if you go to the drum talk tv facebook page or youtube channel the featured video includes Carl Palmer, who's going to be one of the many musicians, part of our 2024 concert series and or live Q&A sessions in our own virtual reality settings. No goggles required, unless you wear prescription glasses. Maybe you want to wear those. But check that out. It's something fun that's been three years in the works. And um, be great to get Carl on to reminisce about some of the, the old days, especially with the tour where he's got them performing with him and his band on the screens. All right. Cool. All right, right. folks. Thanks for following what we do. Any closing thoughts for you, Steve, on this amazing collection? Uh, No, I think we've pretty much covered like how, like the breadth and scope of it. It's definitely worth having. Absolutely. Great. Thank you, everybody. We will see you very soon uh, on Trump talk TV tomorrow, Friday, the third at noon Pacific. We have Mirko DeMaio from the Flower Kings. We're excited about that because about a month ago, 
We had uh, Roy Nostoltz on Yes Shift, also simulcast on Jump Talk TV. Uh, the 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 brain behind well, a lot it was of back in August. Was it in August? See, time work. Yeah. You don't even need to correct me on stuff like that because I don't know any difference. <laughs> but yeah, it was back in August, which feels like a month ago. So now we get the drummer on board to get the real scoop. Not that Roy was making anything up. I'm just saying we got the drummer for you. All right, join us tomorrow. See you then, folks. Thank you so much. Bye.